and welcome back to Comics Exchange, your friendly neighborhood podcast. As always, I'm Mike D. We have the filthy mutant Ryan Shipley. What? Yes. <laughs> Heinous. And, of course, the owner of Knoxville's longest-running comic shop, Mr. Bill Langford. Generous and compassionate. Yeah. Generous and compassionate. Very generous. Uh, we're all a little stuffed right now. We're recording on Friday night. We just had some Bojangles chicken sandwiches. That's good. That's a good one. Shout out to Mr. Bojangles. Yeah, so, when it, so with the chicken war, mm-hmm. where do you land? What's your favorite chicken sandwich since Popeye's uh, struck was, the first blow? I got to tell you, I was thinking about this when you said, when we were talking about chicken earlier. Yeah. It's odd that every chicken place is named after a person. So you have Colonel Sanders, you have Popeyes, you have Mrs. Winters, you have Mr. Bojangles. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of stretching on Bojangles. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Kind of a weird. Uh, well, it's possessive, so it's it. Owns, somebody named some, Bojangle owns it. Right. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. A, theoretically, there's a Bojangle out there. <laughs> there is. But so okay, so but the chicken sandwiches now. What's your favorite? Do you lean the Popeye spicy chicken sandwich? Do you go the Burger King the chicken sandwich <laughs> uh, what's your favorite of the chickens of the new chicken sandwiches since the Popeyes so now are we talking strictly spicy chicken or just do I have the entire chicken universe you have the entire chicken universe okay you have a um, lot of power right now I'm gonna have to say I gotta tell you and this this may just be recency bias that that the one we just had from Bojangles it was was spectacular mm-hmm. it was really it good was, it had it had a spice but it wasn't overwhelmingly spicy how some spicy chicken sandwiches can just get uh like nashville hot yeah 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 it's got a good crunch to it which is important yeah I yeah the crunch and then it was tender on the inside yeah um, I, i'm gonna say yeah i'm gonna go ahead and, and, and put that bojangles at that number okay. one it's a good yeah. pick i think the wendy spicy chicken sandwich is my favorite of the oh, spicy ones okay they have a good chicken sandwich uh spicy chicken i don't like the normal one too much and then I like the Popeyes, but the problem with the Popeyes is it's sometimes just a little too big. It really? is ridiculous. It's like, is that a whole chicken on that bun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too much chicken. It's a little too big. It's like, but that's the good thing is it fills you up. One sandwich is all you need. No, I haven't. Uh, I'll have to try the uh, the Popeyes next time I'm I'm there. Popeyes sides are trash, though. That's my problem. I don't like their, their sides. Their sides are trash. I bet people that work at Popeyes hate that sandwich with all their oh. heart because it used to be if you would go to Popeyes, mm-hmm. nobody would be there. Popeyes, right, right. Popeyes would be like you would actually go in and see a tumbleweed roll by. Uh, <laughs> and but, the, the but, sp- it was the spicy chicken craze, yeah, right? Is that- when they once they brought out that chicken sandwich, and I think it was like like the summer before the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, and then it was like the point where you couldn't get the sandwich. I remember coming back from Dragon Con, and we stopped at one of those places where it's like four restaurants in one. You had the Burger King, the KFC, the Popeyes, the yes. Sub, the Taco Bell, and all yeah. that. And somebody walked in and said, do you have any of the chicken sandwiches? They said no. The person cussed and walked out. Yeah. yeah. People like fighting in the parking lots and yeah, stuff. Yeah, they wanted insane. that chicken sandwich. And weren't the, uh, the social media accounts, weren't they feuding back and forth between like Popeye's and... Um, oh, yeah. There was a constant like a like flame war going. Yeah, because Popeye's and Chick-fil-A. Popeye's went after Chick-fil-A and said, hey, you can get our sandwiches on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shots fired, yeah. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Popeye's, when they, they came with that sandwich, whoever came with that sandwich is, was super smart. They're probably now the vice president of... Uh... They have to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be a raise. And we'll see their movie in a couple years because like, this is legitimately happening. There's going to be a movie that's coming to Hulu and Disney, I think in... May or June right. about who created the Flamin' Hot Cheeto. <laughs> really? Yes. Is the Flamin' Hot Cheeto that big now that it deserves a... Uh, <laughs> it needs its, its own, own story. Its own story? Yeah. I mean, the 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 one they're doing about uh, Air Jordan, that one kind of makes sense because in... That shoe revolutionized, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hang on a second. I don't think the, the Flamin' Cheeto revolutionized anything. No, and it just... I it's mean, just a normal Cheeto. It's just hot. I gotta be honest with you... Um, I prefer the Hot Funyuns over the Hot Cheetos. Hot yep. Funyuns? That's a uh, thing? Yeah, Hot Flame Funyuns. Hot what? premiered at South, South X, uh-huh. SXSW. What is that? South, South, South by Southwest. Southwest. South by ah, Southwest. Jinx. Okay. <laughs> On March 11th, as an underdog story chronicling the creation of Flame and Hot Cheetos and other iconic snacks, the film follows Richard Montanez, a janitor at a Frito-Lay factory wow. in California, trying to provide for his wife and two children. Hmm. I think that's where there's the controversy because hmm. this janitor thinks he goodwill hunting. Right. The um, the Cheetos he's, craze. He's... But they're, you know, like some people are like, no, that's not how it happened. Well. And it gets a little crazier because 
Jerry Seinfeld what? is doing a movie about the creation of the Pop-Tart. What's the deal with Pop-Tarts? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> is that the name of it? It should be, uh, but it's called Unfrosted. The Pop-Tart story. <laughs> Unfrosted. Right, I got yeah. it. Cool. So, okay. So, with Pop-Tarts. I'm sorry. I know we're very off topic. <laughs> yeah, come on, Ron. Um, my friend Scott says, he swears by this. He says, the best way to eat Pop-Tarts is with butter. What? I guess you... you Margarine? Uh, you cook the Pop-Tart. You put it in the toaster, whatever. You toast it. And then you smear butter, I guess, on the bottom. I don't know if you do the bottom side or the top side. After it's toasted? After it's toasted. Hmm. I assume it's... Well, actually... Well, yeah, because then the butter's probably melting, right? You don't want to put a jam of butter into your toaster. No, that's true. Let's go start a butter fire. Maybe Jerry Seinfeld will approach that topic when he does his Pop-Tarts movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm not putting butter on my Pop-Tarts, so let me just say that. Yeah. Now, a yeah. uh, uh, blueberry muffin? Sure. A mm-hmm. uh, nice piece of Texas toast? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but no, no. They must be running out of ideas for movies. I mean, you think about it. Hollywood's over 100 years now. Mm-hmm. It's, we're probably running out of ideas. So now they're just saying, hey, there's probably a story there at the Hot Cheetah. They're doing one on Tetris. That comes oh. out uh, next week. It's got the guy that played Elton John and I, uh, the guy from Kick-Ass. Were you any good at Tetris? I love Tetris. So we lived in Germany when the Game Boy first came out, mm-hmm. the original Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And the ride to school was an hour there, an hour back. Wow. So that Game Boy came in really handy. I oh, played yeah. a lot of Tetris on the on the bus. I, I, it wasn't my game. I, the first few uh, levels, I was okay. But the spatial engineering would just throw me. Hmm. Do you know the Tetris blocks have names? I did not know that. So so somebody found the manual and posted the manual and Is it like a the L shaped one that lays down like that is Orange Ricky. Orange Ricky. The other side is blue Ricky. The Z is Cleveland Z. What? The the flip <laughs> C, the other side Z is Rhode Island Z. Okay, you're just making this up. No. Uh <laughs> the long the long uh the long piece yes. is Hero. The one that looks like an upside down T is Tiwi, and this is my favorite. Uh-huh. Just the block one, yeah. Smash Boy. Smash Boy, <laughs> which is what my new nickname is. <laughs> you are now officially the Smash Boy. Smash Boy, but yeah. What, whatever happened to like Inky, Blinky, and Clyde? Right, I mean, right? yeah, no, yeah. Now we get Smash Boys. Yeah, that's in the uh, somebody uh, posted that on uh, Twitter, just like the hey, this is the manual for the SNES version or the NES version <laughs> of Tetris, and here are the names. I wonder if there's going to be uh, sex and violence in the Tetris movie. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like such an odd. I don't know what. I mean, what's the story? It just well, these I guys some, created a, a video game and it had uh, the guy ge- had geometric go, shapes. Well, he had to go into communist Russia because this is like the early '80s because the creator oh, of the game is right. Russian. I forgot and about that. He had to go there and convince the Russians to put Tetris on the Game Boy. Because he went to Nintendo and go, hey, I got a great idea for okay. your... They showed him the Game Boy, and he's like, I got a great idea that would be amazing for for Game Boy. Because it ended up becoming, I think it was like back when the companies would actually pack a game in with the systems. Right, right. Yep. Wasn't there an NES version of that that was like super rare? It was like a black cartridge, and it was by Tengen, I believe, the company. I think like, so, yeah. Where there's a rights issue, and this one company made... I don't know. I yep. just remember that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to find out next week on Apple. <laughs> <laughs> actually, this week, because... This episode is going to go up uh, oh, yeah. on the 29th. Oh, yeah. We're recording okay, this yeah. one a couple of, a couple of days early this week. so Getting one done early for you guys. Yeah. So if any big news breaks between now and next week. Too bad. Yeah, we apologize because we're not on top of that. But we'll cover it on our next episode. Yeah, exactly. But we got some new stuff today. Big news. <laughs> I, don't like, <laughs> I don't like how you said that. That sounded a little creepy. Big uh, news. What did you want to start with, Mike? Well... Since it broke today, I think we could uh, hit on the Funko topic. Uh, there's part of this we haven't spoken about as well in the past couple of weeks, I'm surprised. But yeah, recently Funko in the past few years had bought mm-hmm. a high-end collectibles company, Mondo, who are, I think their fame mainly came from these Art Deco posters that they would mm-hmm. specialize for movies and whatnot. Yep. And uh, there's massive layoffs today. They shut down the whole poster division and fired like the CEO. And I, I don't have the information right in front of me, but a lot of important people that are the core of Mondo. Um, so that, that's a big hit for sure. And the, that, that obviously is coming off the back of uh, Funko's other problems. The poster thing mm-hmm. is the thing I thought was the most unreal because when you think of the company Mondo, mm-hmm. you think of the poster. Sure. Yeah. We yeah. have a customer mm-hmm. that loves the Funko. I mean, the Mondo posters, yes. right? Yes. No, I, I'd heard the story previously about there had been a. Um, I guess they had a glut or an overstock of Funko Pops that were yep. they couldn't sell, 
and they decided to bury them, right? Yeah, they like, sent uh, $30 million worth of uh, vinyl figures to a landfill in an effort to reduce the company's overabundance in inventory. Inventory at the year end totaled $246.4 million, an increase of 48% compared to a year ago. Ooh. So, and there's a little controversy with that too because they just took it to the dump and and we like Funko here. Like, oh yeah, if you're ever here on Saturday, if you have any questions about Funko, yeah, Blaine's your boy. But yeah, so my frustration with it is, okay, I know you got to get rid of this. You got to get rid of the supply, right? Yeah. Instead of dumping it in a landfill, why not gift it to like children's hospitals, mm-hmm. Ronald McDonald houses, like abuse shelters where kids are there you know like i wonder if it's a situation like that that remember when they were going to write off the flash movie yeah 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 and there were it was going to be a tax write-off mm-hmm. but the deal for being the tax write-off is they could never ever air it they couldn't okay. put it on dvd you mm-hmm. couldn't uh so i think if maybe if funko's trying to maybe write these uh these pops off uh they're not allowed to give them away possibly and they, they yeah. might have to be destroyed physically well they're Correct. not actually destroying them like no, somebody already true. on tiktok went to one of the dumps and just saw the boxes. Wow. Yeah. So, so in this, it, so what's the difference between this and what Atari did with the uh, the ET? Yeah, it sounds like the exact same thing. Yeah. 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 That, um, that game really is as bad as everyone says it is. Too. It's, <laughs> yes, it's, it's a bad game. Did you play it, Mike? You? I, I did. I okay. Did. If you ever listen to story, the guy had like a month to make the game. Yeah. I think yep, it was like yep. one person. They basically said, "Hey, we want to do a video game based on ET. You got a month to make this game." And you watch that game went. Yeah, that's mm. a month of work. And people are like, this game's terrible. He's like, I know, I know. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> so imagine like 400, 500 years in the future, right? And you're uh, Indiana Jones. You're a famous archaeologist. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you're Tennessee Ryan. Yeah. And you're a famous archaeologist. I got nicknames tonight. You come, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you come across this giant mound and you start excavating and you find... Golden Girl 15,000 Golden Girl Funkos <laughs> yeah. buried in the dirt. Yeah. And you decide the only logical reason that you think you can decide is that obviously these things were cursed. They were cursed. <laughs> they, were, they were cursed totems yeah. that the people back in the 21st century had to bury to yeah. uh, to escape the evil. Yeah. It makes sense when you look at <laughs> the pandemic to now. Right. So maybe they're going, this has to be it. This has to be related. Um, but yeah, if maybe that's a reason, but it just seems like weird because like Funko would have got so much good press. Yes. If they had donated all mm-hmm. these uh this excessive uh thirty million dollars worth of Funko Pops. Yeah. Um it seems like they would know that, which leads me to think that there had to be something about they had to get rid of them. I think so. Yeah. But the uh the Mondo thing was really shocking because they just bought Mondo nine months ago. Oh wow, I thought it was a little longer than that. Yeah. And when you think about like Mondo, that's uh, what you think of is their posters, like definitely. we were mentioning. Yeah. But yeah, they just basically dumped, laid off that whole that whole staff. So they're keeping their vinyl records division and I guess the toy division. But obviously, if you buy Mondo, you buy Mondo for the posters. Sure. Yeah. Anyway. I can't even think of, like, as a big a toy collector I am, I, I can't identify in my mind immediately anything mm-hmm. that they made, really. Uh, so do you guys think with this along with the decline in, in Funko Pop sales, do you guys think this is kind of a precursor to uh, the Funko Pop bubble pop possibly bursting? Or it do you could. think this is just uh, two hiccups in the... So right. it, they've had such a run. I mean, an incredible yeah. longevity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely not a beanie baby. No. Right, right. The fat. We've, this has lasted a lot longer. We've moved way past that. So you keep a good stock of Funkos here. Mm-hmm. Do you sell a decent amount? Yeah, yeah, I do. But at the same time, you know, I don't overextend on, on the Funkos. Okay, I'm um, not having to get rid of thirty million dollars. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. if I have to, uh, if I have to get rid of a couple of them, I'm not going to bury them. So I, I just focus mostly on the superhero ones and. But the sales, I mean, I haven't really noticed a drop off in sales. But, yeah, uh, but if it is, if you go to like conventions, hmm. especially for the last like probably five or six years, just so many dealers just with the Funkos. Yeah, and this is the thing: if you are a Funko dealer, you're not just competing against other Funko dealers. You're competing against the Walgreens, the Kroger that yep, has Funkos, yep. the Barnes and Noble Funko that, that has Funkos, Funko Direct. Um, yeah. And I've also noticed they've expanded into like, you know, the big Funkos and now there's like tiny little ones. So there's mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully next week or the week after, you're going to be getting some awesome Funkos in. I think we have uh, Dolly Parton. Yeah. It's coming this next week or the week after. I think two weeks. Two weeks from mm-hmm. now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I think we ordered a ton of Dollies. But it's like with anything, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's the, it peaks with the popularity Right. So it may just be right now they're having to do like what the streaming channels are doing where they 
kind of overstretched. And now you tighten the belt. You're having to tighten the belt a little bit. Because like you said there, in that thing, 48% increase in Funko Pops in the last year. And That's I know huge. that because I bought yeah. a ton of Spider-Man last year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I kept being like, please, Funko, stop. <laughs> they know their market, Ron. They know their market. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm done. No more. And then here comes another one. But yeah, but hopefully it just sucks because like if they were going to do this in Mondo, they should have mm-hmm. just let Mondo stay with the Alamo Draft House. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does seem a shame because it, it might be a premature death for Mondo and... Mm-hmm. Hopefully those uh, uh, artists find work. I mean, they should because they're very talented. Very talented. I could yeah. see them getting together and doing an Image Comics, maybe making their own new poster division. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, mean, I think posters and t-shirts would yep. be great. Oh yeah, maybe they can do the Comics Exchange t-shirt. <laughs> we Come do on. need a. We need one for our 25th anniversary. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Oh, that's next year. Next year. Wow. Yeah. I have to come up with something cool, Ron. <laughs> why, why is it on me? <laughs> well, I am your social media guy. Get to work. Let's do uh, let's do good news, bad news. Okay. I think we've got okay. enough alternating yeah, yeah, news. Yeah. That first was a little negative. Let's swing it back to a little positive. This is the week uh, we're recording where the most recent Mandalorian episode featured Ahmed Best. Oh. And who is Ahmed Best? Ahmed Best was mm-hmm. Jar Jar Binks. Misa called Jar Jar Binks. But yeah. now he is Kelleran Beck. Okay, like a, what is he? Is he? Well, I don't know. There's people that might not have seen this episode. Okay, I might be so, sitting with some of them at the table right now. <laughs> so we'll wait on what he is, but... Yeah, he, he, he is a new character, uh, and I thought it was awesome. I, I When his name popped up at the end, I was like, wait a minute, that's Bing, and I bet he was bow, this, and uh, I was right. And it's really cool to see him back in that, because, you know, he was hated on so much for Jar Jar. He had issues with suicide after that, I mean, all yep. sorts of threats. So to see him kind of come back and get this redemption... Uh, and it's a really super cool role, the way it ties into everything, too. So I was happy to see that, and I know a lot of other people are, too. Yeah, he posted a TikTok, I think, yesterday or the day before, like, where he was at. Like, it was like him on a balcony looking over, like, this beautiful ocean. Mm. And he was like, this is the spot where I almost killed myself. <sighs> wow. Um, it's wow. one of those things where there's so much negativity sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the people that do the trolling and negativity on on the social media Mm -hmm. they don't realize that some of these actors or actresses are going to see it right right. um or they think they're just yelling at like npcs from a video game like they're not actual people there's that detachment you know Mm -hmm. bella ramsey is dealing with that a lot right now is because she just finished last of us right majority Mm -hmm. of people think she did phenomenal on it but there are some jerks out there that have been making fun of her appearance uh, (sighs) and she said it just was one of the hurtful things because she would find herself looking for these comments if you have an opinion on a character and you're like hey i don't like this character i feel this character is unwritten that's fine just don't go after it especially these young girls oh yeah it's ridiculous yeah it's i think people take it too far and Mm. they feel emotional about the subject matter and i get that because i think we all do in in certain times yeah 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 but you have to also understand that um it's 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 a movie or it's a tv show and ultimately we're dealing with real people in real lives and even though they may seem big and strong up on the screen, you know, words can hurt. And, yeah. uh, and like you said, they, they probably remember the negative reviews much more than they remember the positive reviews. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And it's, uh, but like we said, like the positive of this is that Star Wars is, I don't want to say redeeming Ahmed Best because nothing that he did as Jar Jar was his fault. Right. Absolutely. That's um, well put. But I'm glad they're letting him find peace yep it felt triumphant when i saw it i was like that's awesome yeah and hopefully he's seeing there's so many people out there that are so happy for him Mm -hmm. because there is a whole generation not Mm -hmm. us because we're old people (laughs) that grew up on episodes one through three yeah so they had probably had better attachments to jar jar i talk to to younger uh younger people all the time that grew up with phantom menace and attack of the clones and to them they love the pod races and they love jar jar yeah and they love the Django fett i tell you what made me like the prequels a lot more mm-hmm. uh, was the sequels. I'm like, wow, the prequels weren't that bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And hey, there's going to be people out there that are going like, you know what? These uh, eight, uh, seven through nine were awesome. Uh, well, mm, are they though? <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, eight was good. <laughs> I know, And I know that's controversial, but remember. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where I think just sometimes we just, people just need to understand if you dislike something don't make it personal right. with the actor or actress mm-hmm. you can be like hey i don't like this character but you know right. don't i mean ult- ultimately this person's just taking a job right is what's yeah. happened i mean it's, yeah. in, the, it's and, uh, in the job title actor yeah it's right it's right there people yeah because i'm at best i'm sure when he got the role as jar jar he was probably excited going oh my god oh, right, this is right. the first star wars movie in like 15 mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. this is going to be amazing and then just the hate Ugh. that he got it's right. like a roller coaster. Um, He's going up, 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 yeah. ah, sharp down. But I'm glad he's back on a 
upper now and hopefully his character returns for more episodes is the uh is the voice at least is it identifiable like when you heard him no, speak not at all okay he doesn't do the jar jar voices that's what you're asking <laughs> no that's not but i was just asking if it was identifiable as... oh it's a baby yoda <laughs> misa jedi <laughs> but um but yeah no it's uh, it made me happy to see that that was like good the cool pop that's... culture moment of the week i agree and now back to more negativity. <laughs> so much negativity. <laughs> like um, how about the, how about the blowback on Shazam two? Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Um, um, so first off, did not do so well. No. So uh, well. What were the box office numbers? So the uh, thirty million, I think. On yeah. Thousand? So here's something I, I pulled this up. Mm-hmm. I knew you were going to ask me to look it up. <laughs> uh, so I so Shazam came out March 17, two thousand twenty three. Mm-hmm. Morbius. Came oh. out April 1st, 2022, which is amazing. It came out on full April Fool's Day. That's great. Morbius opened domestically the first weekend, 39 million. Oh. Shazam, 30. Oh. Which was 20 million less than the first Shazam opened with. Okay. Um, hmm. Shazam also had a $125 million production budget. So mm. you probably got to add another. Hundred million or so for, for promotion, like, advertising. Yeah. Um, well, I will say that it didn't get a whole lot of marketing though. That that is part of the problem, I think. I think is that, and then also just because people know what probably happens in the Shazam movie is not going to be anything to the story going forward once right, the once right. the gun stuff starts, which mm. is probably like so 2024. That doesn't do it any favors because yeah, you feel like what I'm watching isn't even consequential. Yeah. So right off the bat, as soon as that movie failed, you had like. Some people that were celebrating the failure of it, like mm. a lot of the more vocal people in the Snyder camp, mm. um, not Snyder himself because he's like he's like, hey, James Gunn is a great guy. Yeah, but a lot of these people are celebrating the the failure of this movie because the Snyder stuff is being overlooked now to the point where Zachary Levi mm-hmm. has now came out to also put blame on different things. Everybody's like, throwing each other under the bus on this. Everyone's blaming each other. Yeah, Zachary Levi came out to blame in a way the rock really he didn't mm-hmm. name the rock by name but he did do something where somebody let me find it here and that's actually a good point Damn. this is also tied to black adam which was controversial and not in a good way so on his um instagram mm-hmm. somebody posted the rap confirms that in shazam fury of the gods the justice society from black adam was supposed to recruit Shazam in the post-credits. Right. Uh, the Rock denied access, and David F. Sandberg had to make a last-minute decision to add Amelia and John. Dwayne The Rock Johnson's attempted to restructure the DC EU, countering him and Henry Cavill's Superman. The Rock then allowed Zachary Levi to cameo in a post-credit for the Black Adam, and uh, Zachary Levi uh, posted that and wrote underneath it, "The truth shall set you free." Wow. Yeah. So it's came out like, I guess this is uh, at the end of Shazam 2. He was supposed to get recruited by Hawkman. And uh, I can't remember who the other character was. So instead they had to use two characters from Peacemaker. And then that led to more stuff because then people started accusing James Gunn of nepotism using his wife and more things. Mm. Because his wife is in Peacemaker. Right. From what I understood... They didn't get together until after Peacemaker had actually started filming. I think that's right. So Levi had to come out too and say, hey, the people hating on Gunn right now, Mm -hmm. Gunn has not done anything wrong here. Gunn is not the person who thwarted us to get Superman into the first Shazam movie. That's why he has the wisdom of Solomon. Yeah. Uh, So it's it's became this weird personal thing where I, I just, I would like DC to get some good news yeah so. yeah it's crazy we're we're not getting shazam and black adam feuding I'm on the screen the but yeah. we're getting them feuding in real life it's, 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 <laughs> which might even be better than the, the movie let's be honest yeah. But, uh, yeah a lot of blame thrown around yeah it's just it's unfortunate yeah i mean if i'm if i'm gonna be honest i, I wasn't particularly interested in the movie it i don't know i was like it when it comes streaming i'll see it but I, yeah yeah because it'll be on HBO Max within like the next couple months, mm-hmm. but it is one of those things where it's not gonna. It's more than likely not gonna have anything to do with what's coming up. Right, mm-hmm. right, and that's a big thing for me. Like you were just saying, I, it, it is, is. Con- inconsequential. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be another DC movie where the end credit stinger never Useless. never materializes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this would be cool if they did. Because Hawkman was one of the best parts about Black Adam. Oh, absolutely. It'd it'd be cool. They did start doing stuff with Justice Society, and that seems to be in Gunn's wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean, those characters would be perfect for him. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, uh, just, again, negativity out there. 
Yeah, and it, it it seems kind of that that's been an overall theme, overarching theme for DC is is whereas Marvel's felt a lot, they've been a lot more confident in the source material, and they've been a lot more patient. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. DC's to me has felt like there's been a lot of back backbiting, a lot of infighting. Everything feels a little bit rushed. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So I I just wish DC had taken a different approach initially. But that being said. I'm willing to give James Gunn a clean slate. I'm yep, willing yep. to Same. go forward, and the, the projects he announced seemed exciting to me. So, and it seemed like when we posted all the gun news, like a couple, like last month on the the socials, mm-hmm. everybody seemed to be really excited. So, yeah. I think there's a lot of like excitement to see what what James right. Gunn does. So this is the thing. Other than really the hardcore Marvel fanboys, no one's wishing DC to fail. No. We, I mean, no one goes to these movies or, or, or um, watches these things wanting to, to watch, you know, um, awful movies or terrible uh, TV shows. Yeah. So, because that would be insane. Because yeah, that would, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, so, what is that all, like, all tie? What's this? Uh, rising Tide Lifts All Boats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. And um, so we, we want to see just DC put out quality product. And so sometimes that can be taken as, as criticism. But if anything, it's constructive criticism. Uh, the only criticism we don't really need is, is, like you said, is when it gets the criticism uh, borders on the personal. Yep. But, which um, obviously happened with Gunn's wife. Which, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, the same thing that's it happened with Kevin Smith's wife when he would put his wife in. Um, yep. So, it, it, you know, if you have a complaint, if it's a legitimate complaint about the direction of DC or the tone of something, then then, then that's perfect. You know, we, we're, we all have complaints. None of these movies are perfect. Yeah. But, yeah, if your complaint is more... Uh, why is his wife got to be in everything? Or <laughs> I don't understand why this movie has to have so many so many females or whatever you're, the, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. You, you might, might as well keep that to yourself. Yeah, and um, please do. Back yeah. on Snyder, because I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, sometimes maybe we just kind of aren't the nicest to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something good. Uh, so Snyder announced, like, I think it was last week that he had a big thing that's going to end happen oh, at right, the end right. of April. And it's came out. He's hosting a weekend of screenings next month of his DC movies uh, with proceeds going to support the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention hmm. in honor of his daughter, Autumn, right. uh, who passed away in 2017 at the age of 20. Mm-hmm. Um, during the filming of Justice League, right? Right before it? I think yeah. It was, I want to say it was during. I think it was during, yeah. Yeah, so they're going to do... Uh, so they just released like a poster of kind of like the Superman statue. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to be, it's called Full Circle, a special three-day celebration of the Snyderverse uh, trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, and Guns came out, like said, hey, this is awesome. I'm glad we're going to be able to do this and hopefully raise some money. Because I think Gun uh, has a family member too who unfortunately got killed themselves. So I think that's something good that Snyder is yes. doing, that Snyder's going to do. Because I think Snyder probably doesn't like it either what he sees some people, oh, some of, course, of his fans of do. Right. And every single one of those people better buy a plane ticket and go to this show and buy tickets to movies and be there and support yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> every single one of them. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why I'm glad that they were able to bring out his cut mm. of uh, mm-hmm. Justice League. Hey, and you know what? I loved it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, yeah. I hated those movies. I'm not, I did not want to see it. Right. I hated Batman versus Superman so much, but I watched yeah. the Justice League Snyder cut. I thought it was fantastic. Because he definitely it, did the right thing, like leaving the movie once his uh, his daughter passed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was the right thing to do. Because they brought in um, Whedon, Josh Whedon to and finish. And that became like a big, that didn't work out. awful thing too. Well, uh, apparently he wanted to reshoot a bunch of stuff, and so the budget ballooned when Whedon came on, and I think that's kind of what cost him uh, financially yeah. from, from being a, a huge success. Was the Supposedly bl- he was kind of a bully on set too. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So uh, that, that's the thing I... Zack Snyder, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent to some of his movies. Yeah. But by all counts, I mean, as, as, just as a person, he seems to be a, a genuinely nice guy. Yeah, he seems like a good mm-hmm. dude. And yeah. I couldn't imagine going through the, the tragedy that he did. So, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. that'd be heartbreaking. Let's end this on something positive before we move on. Absolutely. Somebody uh, had something nice to say about a DC movie. Oh, really? Yeah, a big somebody. Well, actually, he's kind of short from what I hear, but Tom, it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom. Yeah, okay. he apparently had a private viewing of this at his home, and uh, as soon as it was over, immediately called the director of The Flash to tell him how great it was. He thinks awesome. it's a spectacular movie and really wants to uh, support it. So. Or it is. He was jumping up and down on the couch. <laughs> that's just, amazing. But, uh, um, that's awesome. No, it's good. Uh, it's, it's nice to see that, that kind of support um, inside Hollywood, especially. Mm, yeah, great yeah, point, I mean, great point. I'm kind of wondering if they will do anything with 
Flashpoint because it kind of makes sense that they use Flashpoint as a as a vehicle to get to where everything is going to go with Gunn's new universe. I wonder. It would be the smart thing to do. Yeah, it's probably too soon for a cameo of his Superman near oh, yeah, the oh, end. Yeah, oh, yeah. But there's rumors that maybe a Batman shows up at the end. It'd be cool. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, they must have really loved the movie to stick with it, mm-hmm. especially with um, Ezra Miller and all right. that they did. Yeah. Yeah. No, it shows that there's some confidence there. And, and I tell you, the fun, funny thing about Tom Cruise is that even when he was younger, he's been wanting to play uh, in a superhero movie for a mm. long time. Um, initially, he uh, was rumored to be the uh, the original Spider-Man when they were going to make their first <laughs> Spider-Man movie. That would have been interesting. This was like kind of like right after Risky Business. Okay. And then, and then he would have been a good age for it. Yeah. He would have. He would have. Yeah. And, and, and actually, you know, other than, I mean, yeah, I mean, he may not be quite as nerdy, scientific looking as Peter, but... Uh, and then he lobbied apparently really hard for Tony Stark, which is what the right, rumor right. that came out that he was going to be in uh, the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. He was going to be Superior Iron Man. Oh, that would have been great. I bet he could yeah. nail a Scott Summers. He could be a great Cyclops. Oh, he would yeah. be a great Cyclops. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe could be a little bit taller, but <laughs> but this is the thing about Tom. This is the thing about Tom is that in, in, in some of his movies I like and some I don't. But I, I've never disliked a movie because of Tom Cruise. No, no. Well, I've no. never left a movie thinking, "Well, Tom just messed this movie up." <laughs> uh, yeah. He he always seems like he gives a hundred percent, and uh, yeah, it'd be cool to see him in a superhero movie. I think we did um, on my other podcast, BRB AFK. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a Tom Cruise box office, and it was just amazing how many good movies that man has made. Yeah. 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 There's rarely that many stinkers. Vanilla, in, in, Vanilla Sky? Vanilla Sky is one of the stinkers, but <laughs> hey, Edge of Tomorrow, oh, yeah. such an underrated movie. Surprisingly good. Yeah. I think he has, uh, if you look at his track record compared mm-hmm. to a lot of people, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. And I'm excited for the new Mission Impossible. I, I'll be honest with you, they're, they're kind of guilty pleasure <laughs> movies for me. I there's been one or two I haven't like the John Woo one. I can, I can the second one. That one's not good. Is uh, but yeah, but, um, but yeah, there I, I'll, I'll enjoy them. Yep. Well, you know, one thing that I've really enjoyed about uh, some of these past few recent episodes we've done are our lists, and uh, hopefully everyone out there listening is enjoying that too. We did the Batman artists, the Batman writers, and uh, I think we're ready to maybe jump into our next round of Ooh. artists, aren't we? Richie so. Rich, right? <laughs> Who's your favorite Richie Rich artist? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's when you know we ran out of ideas. Here's my m- biggest worry about when we do this stuff. Hopefully, we remember what we've done because we're not keeping oh, a spreadsheet. That's and true. we're all in our 40s and early 50s. We don't have the best memory. And this is our 15th episode. When we get down to like, who's the uh, who's the best comic book butler? Cadbury or? <laughs> Alfred. <laughs> Cadbury or Alfred. Yeah. Yeah, that's my worry is we're going to be like, didn't we already do this segment like a year and a half ago? I'll make, I'll start uh, a list. That's what I'll do. Okay, good. Thank God I don't have to do that. But uh, why don't we roll with the X-Men? I think that is something that's definitely near and dear to Bill's heart, certainly. Absolutely. 60th anniversary. Wow, that's yeah. true. Come, yeah, 19, uh, 1963 wow. Yeah, was uh, issue wow. number one. Which is crazy. Um, which is insane. And uh, just to look at how much they've changed from the first issue with Beast, you know, with the, the big hands and big feet and mm, Iceman's yep. throwing mm. snowballs. And, and he kind of looked like a snowman. And for some reason, Angel has something what looks, what looks like a bazooka or something. Or some <laughs> right, type right. of a, you know. <laughs> That's just Kirby. Like, probably, like, not no no sleep. Give that Angel guy a bazooka. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, no, I, I do love, uh, like, like a lot of people, I, I love X-Men. Yeah, and um, we're keeping this to Uncanny and X-Men, so we're not going to do, like, New Mutants. We'll do that for another time, but this will be Uncanny and Yeah, that would expand the field a lot. Yeah, Um, and probably keep it to only one recent artist to kind of keep away from recency bias. Okay, like we're gonna okay. we're gonna come together and make a top five like we did with okay. With the, we're gonna do X Men. Uh, That's a good idea. Artists this episode and then mm-hmm. the following we'll do and we'll get because we got some really good uh, opinions out there from our from the listeners. Carson Hunt. Okay. Uh, brought up and this is obviously going to be one that has to probably be on this list. Jim Lee. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, it, you, you kind of took the uh, the cherry off the top of the Sunday there, because <laughs> Jim yeah. he is he's probably considered like the seminal uh, X Men artist. I would say he is for me. I can't lie. Mm-hmm. Not I mean not just the art, but also the uh, the costume design, which mm, is often yes, an, an yes. underlooked part that the yep. artist uh, contributes is is how they design the uh, the characters, how they look, and how the costumes look, and. Jim kind of defined the 90s X-Men, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's one of those things, because some artists will come in, do the new costumes, and mm-hmm. it's just complete garbage. It looks gross. Yes. Jim Lee, I think, nailed every one of the costumes that he designed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could you could maybe argue now that some of them look a little 90s-ish, like kind of dated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's you can't hold that against him, because that was of the time. And he had the guts to, at one point, mm-hmm. put them all in the blue and gold outfits. Yeah. Yeah, I, and that's kind of the one things that uh, one of the things that I, I missed from the movies, from the X Men movies, is just one time it would have been good to see him in the uh, the old school blue and uh, blue and yellow, blue and yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it could still happen. But yeah, well, maybe we got Wolf, uh, Deadpool three. So. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Um, so What's Jim- interesting about Jim? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, yeah. but. Um, I, I think of him as being so iconic, and that's part of the art of the time where you had these new up-and-coming artists, and his, his style f- felt fresh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. new. I hate to use the word cutting edge, but it did. It felt cutting edge. Yeah, it just yeah, felt yeah. unique, and it felt exciting. Yep. But, you know, as iconic as he is, and as much as everyone, he associates, um, everyone associates him mm-hmm. with the X-Men, he only drew, what, 30 issues of it? Something like that? I mean, he didn't draw very many issues of it at all. Really? Well, yeah. so he had, a, he, had a, he had a run on Uncanny, um, and then uh, he got very popular so they gave him his own uh, X-Men book just called X-Men mm-hmm. he yeah, drew and, 1 and, through 11 of uh, that yeah and, and that's did. where the iconic yes the iconic cover comes from X-Men 1 yes yes there's I mean there, there's a couple in that, in that run that's uh, where Marvel that was are, like hey mm-hmm. we can sell a lot of copies of these like I think they did seven or eight different covers. They did. And I that's think the, back when it wasn't like a, think, a regular thing. I think the print run on that book was like six or seven million. Yeah. 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 If I'm not mistaken, I think it may still be like the largest print run on any comic ever. I think it is. Is X Men one. Yeah. I feel bad for people out there who have that X Men number one and they come in with it thinking <laughs> it's gonna be worth a lot of money and it's like there's six million of these floating out there yeah we try and let them down easy okay good yeah um but yeah so i think just right from the go uh jim lee's definitely on our top five yeah i think you can safely assume that what about you mike do you have equally iconic to a lot of people i think is obviously going to be john byrne um so much fundamental foundational stuff that he worked with there i mean dark phoenix saga um huge runs that are just so, so iconic in people's minds from that particular era that, that built that foundation we've all grown from from there. So John Byrne is definitely on the list for me. Very fundamental. Yep, and we had uh, Howard Renyar mm-hmm. and uh, Daryl Price. Or uh, Daryl Pierce. Daryl Pierce. Yeah. And Jamie Bumpus. Oh, all, yeah. All went. Oh, and Scott Farmer. I think everybody was like... Wow. Yeah. Well, So this is the thing. John Byrne was, was the uh, X-Men artist in the 70s and 80s. Uh, so if, if Jim Lee was a 90s X-Men artist, John Byrne pretty much defined uh, the 70s and 80s for mm-hmm, X-Men. Mm-hmm. So if you grew up in that era, which probably all those guys did, yep. uh, that's kind of what you cut your teeth on. Yeah. Was, and yeah. the most, probably the most iconic X-Men story, because like they've tried to do adaptations twice in the movies already, mm-hmm. the Dark Phoenix saga, right? Yeah, there's Dark Phoenix saga and um, Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, it was a. I think they were on the book for together for maybe thirty issues. Okay. Byrne left before Claremont did. John Byrne did. Oh, because Claremont stayed around for. Claremont a long time. stayed around forever. <laughs> yeah, but and uh, there was one point where when we do writers, I mm-hmm. mean Claremont is going to probably be a, He's like gonna be toward the top. spoilers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but John Byrne, and then he and, and John Byrne did some interesting books after X Men because so he, so this is the thing you know it, there was always that discussion about kind of like with John Lennon and Paul McCartney like who's the most talented uh, of the the Beatles like who, yeah, who's yeah, contri- yeah. who's who's pulling the most most weight here yeah so with X Men there was always that discussion. Was it Byrne or Claremont? Because Byrne would also kind of co-script and co-create some of the stuff. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. then later on, when you read John Byrne after he left X-Men, he went to Dark Horse and did a book called John Byrne's Next Men. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And uh, and it read just kind of like the X-Men stories. Yeah. And uh, Chris Claremont, when he left X-Men, went to DC and did a book called Sovereign, Sovereign Seven, oh, yeah. which read nothing like his X-Men stories. No. So... Uh, just you know, it, it looks like maybe John Byrne was the the more talented of the in hindsight, the more okay. talented of the two. He was, he yeah. Was, but Claremont, I think if you look at his run, mm-hmm. some very iconic stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, no. Yeah, but we'll get to Claremont later on. Yeah. Um, was Byrne there when Giant Size X Men, or was that Cockrum? That was Dave oh, Cockrum. Yeah, that was Cockrum. Yeah. And speaking of David Cockrum, is he going to be on this list? So, because I guess if we if we pick somebody from the seventies and right. to the eighties, I mean, who's more influential, Dave Cockrum or Byrne? So Dave Cockrum helped design the look of the what you kind of consider like that classic X Men. So before Jim Lee. Yeah. Um, Dave Cockrum had come up with these designs that he originally wanted to use on Legion of Superheroes because he was at DC. Oh, really? Huh. So, like, the Wolverine design, I think, was going to be Timberwolf. What? Yeah. And, um, but DC didn't, uh, didn't like the designs. So he had, wow. he, he, he kind of put them in a drawer. And, okay. uh, and then when he was at Marvel, he, he pulled them out. And when Marvel was looking to, kind of redo the X-Men because and breathe a new for life. A minute, right? It had been canceled for a few years and they were doing reprints and uh, there was a question of whether or not X-Men was even ever going to come back as a comic book. Yeah. Um, and then Giant Size hit and X-Men 94 hit and they kind of brought in a whole international team. Which is so brilliant. So you had Storm from Africa, Nightcrawler from Germany, Colossus from Russia, you had Warpath who was the Native American. Um, I don't need this woke trash. <laughs> and, uh, but in awesome. that, in that really clicked with the readers. Yeah. And, and they're like, who are we going to put for Canada? And thankfully so they for, had just introduced the Wolverine the like Wolf. a, a year or two beforehand. Right. Correct. And so he was kind of the breakout character. So Cockrum and Byrne both deserve a lot of credit. Cockrum more so for not, not so much for longevity on the book or doing a lot of issues, mm-hmm. but more so for his create uh, character designs. Okay. And and who knows, Cockrum and Byrne can both be on the list. Sure. Yeah. 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 There's plenty of room to share. Yeah. And you know, the multi ethnic uh, team, that mm-hmm. that reminds me of something that Star Trek was doing as well, you know, putting putting these people in these roles that on T V at the time for Star Trek really you hadn't seen. So yes. having that, that mix was, was really excellent. Well, and it's one of those things that if you grow up and, and you are a, a German immigrant kid in America and you are reading comics maybe this Nightcrawler character appeals to you because mm-hmm. you don't see a lot of Germans in comic books. Or if you happen to be a Native American, maybe Warpath appeals to you because you haven't seen a lot of Native Americans in comics. Yep. You know, so for me, I was kind of attracted to um, Sam and Paige Guthrie from New Mutants, um, oh, Cannonball right. and Husk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they were from Kentucky. Yep. And they made a point about being from the South. And that that's all it took for uh, a nine or ten year old boy in the South to uh, to attach to these characters. Hmm. Yeah. So when you uh, when you do something like Oracle and you put her in a wheelchair, Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, what you do is you open up the to where kids in wheelchairs now read and they see a character that looks a lot like them in this comic. Yeah, uh, I think it's just we don't think about a lot of it because we've seen a lot of characters that look like us. Correct. Uh, but representation is definitely huge. matters, and yes. I think it is probably one of the reasons why Uncanny X-Men blew up when they did the, mm-hmm. the new mm-hmm. team. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Bill, you got uh, somebody you want to throw in the ring? Well, I like it's a ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like you've been handicapped. We've already taken a lot. And we're going to so put these thing. artists in at their prime. Yes, yes. Physical, special. We're not going to put them in there <laughs> when they're old or... Like us, this yeah. is this is in their their, their peak performance. Yes, um, so it was difficult. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and and nominate two since you guys uh, yeah t- kind of steamrolled it really <laughs> two, 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 uh, two of my best ones. But um, I'm going to go with uh, one uh, one gentleman that um, Chris Bocciolo. Oh oh my goodness! I'm a big and, fan. And, 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 yes. and, and initially, I'm going to say this: I didn't I didn't like it on Generation X. And, okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, he he went outside the panels. Mm, it was right, kind of. Right. It looked a little sketchy to me. To me, it didn't look quite as finished. Okay. But it, it, after a while, the style grew on me. Mm. Yeah. And I think as far as like, and he's another one that designed. I think he designed all the Generation X characters. Oh, wow. um, I think so. Yeah. Uh, and so I appreciate his character design, and I appreciate the quirkiness and, and the little the little style he brings to it. He, he's he's one of these artists that when you see his stuff. You don't mistake it for anybody else's art. Like yeah. there's some artists where I'm kind of like, hmm, you know, is that Neil Adams or is that? Yeah. But with uh, Chris Bocciolo, there's nobody that draws like him. James um, Hodges agrees with you. Oh, is, is he a Chris Bocciolo guy? Yep. He oh. did. Jane, he did John Byrne, Jim, Le, Jim Lee, and Chris. Okay. Yeah. You know, the only person I would say has something kind of similar to me would be Art Adams because they both mm. have that kind of deal where 
there's just a slight touch of like an animated exaggeration to it. I don't yeah, want to yeah, say yeah. full anime, but there's just that little bit of exaggeration. It's a little touch cartoony, and uh, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. He has a uh, Amazing Spider-Man coming up in like a month. I think it's 23 or 24. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to be honest with you here, Bill. Yeah. If you don't have me back one of those covers, I'm going <laughs> to cry. There's going to be violence. There, I don't want to say violence, <laughs> but I need that cover. No, I'm going to make it happen, Ron. Okay, you, good. 100% <laughs> And I will me. tell the audience if you do make it happen. Golly, now with all the threats. Um, Pressure. That's a, good, that's a good pick. Yeah. What was your other so, one? My other pick, I'm going to go um, a little further back. Well, actually, maybe not that much further back. But I'm going to go with um, Andy Kubert, mm-hmm. who, uh, who drew a lot of X-Men uh, back in the 90s, right around the time of Age of Apocalypse, mm-hmm. um, a little bit after. Uh, did um quite a few of the Wolverine series, I guess. I think. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. But he's another one that, for me, kind of growing up in the the eighties and nineties, that when I think of um nineties uh, X Men, you know, it, it, the Jim Lee, uh, Andy Kubert, that era really uh, sticks in my head. And you want to hear something cool about mm-hmm. Andy? Yeah. Um, of course. His daughter. Oh, I that's guess right. Is the third generation. Uh, is it Emma? Emma Kubert. Yeah. Uh, has her own book that's called Stoneheart, which I think is going to be through Image. It is. Wow. Yeah, I think yeah. the first issue is already out, but yeah. I haven't cool. had a chance to read it, but it looked really cool. Yeah, but yeah, no, he's a good pick. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, so we already have five, but I think we still I pick think a we few can, more. I think we can nominate a couple more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking Frank Quietly. Nice. Ooh, nice. That's a great run of books, too. It really yeah. is. From the Grant Morrison run. Yeah, I had been out of comics for a little bit before, mm. like, they started doing like the ultimate spider-man so when i first came back into comics after about four years of only picking up like maybe preacher Mm -hmm. ultimate spider-man and frank quietly what he him and grant morrison were doing on x-men was just phenomenal to me Mm -hmm. yeah quietly's art it's got a i want to say a little bit of it doesn't sound complimentary but it is in a way there's there's almost like a little grossness to it that he has Mm, it's kind of unattractive in some ways intentionally and that fit what morrison's concept of x-men was at that particular time very well very much yeah and was that run where mm-hmm. they actually really started improving Emma Frost as a character, like where they brought the White Queen in as an yes. X Men character, yes. yeah. as not like Brotherhood of Mut- Evil Mutants, but or the Hellfire Club, but actually as a part of the X Men. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, and they just they, he created and Grant Morrison's always good for this, but he just created so many uh, fresh and new X Men characters. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that they're they've been kind of uh, mining his stuff for the last few years. Yeah. Do we? Um, I know Mike, you're a big X fan. Mm-hmm. Are there any current artists like in the last 10 years that you think might need a look at? Uh, yeah, actually, you know, mm-hmm. we've had uh, Hickman's recent relaunch of X-Men stuff, which I personally love. Um, mm-hmm. House of X, Powers of Ten kicked that off. And we had Pepe Larez. Larez? Oh, Pepe, yeah, Pepe, Pepe Larez. Pepe Larez, yeah. Larez yeah. Uh, RB Silver. Mm-hmm. And a little bit later, they spawned off an X-Men Red. And uh, Stefano Caselli, I think, is really killing it over in X-Men Red. So those are three right there I'd, I'd keep an eye on. And I know Stefano was mentioned by Daryl Pierce again. Nice. Daryl Pierce High five. Has the finger on the pulse of the Comics Exchange podcast. He knows his X-Men artists. So those three, if we were to pick one of them on the the five, which one would it be? I might go with Stefano. He's really consistent, okay. and uh, he, he matches. He, he seems like an X-Men artist. He seems new and unique, but he, he really mm-hmm. fits well. Uh, I, I like it a lot. Okay. Do you have any other nominations, Bill? Before we so um, we I, I just want to bring, I just want to mention um, Paul Smith. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. this is the thing when um, after Burn, Claremont, I think it went Cockrum for a little while was the artist, mm-hmm. and then Paul Smith came on. And Paul Smith to me, like initially, I didn't like it because it wasn't Burn Cockrum, mm-hmm. and it looked real clean, and it was very I don't know it. It almost did, like newsprint. Look. Almost, yeah, yeah. It, 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 at the time when everybody was doing crosshatch mm-hmm. and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. pouches and gritted teeth, you know, his stuff, his style was a little more like throwback, clean. Yeah. But now when I go back and I, I really appreciate it for what it was and and that run of X Men he did there is like from around issues like one fifties five to like one ninety or whatever. Um, you know, those are some classic X Men stories too. Yeah. So the combination of you know just great stories and 
his really uh, really clean art think would would he does at least deserve, deserves a mention. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, just before we all just the mm. other ones that were mentioned that we didn't get to. Yeah. Uh, Scott Farmer also mentioned Neil Adams. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So the only thing I, that I would mention with Neil is I just I'm not sure he did enough issues of Exit. Yep. Right. Yeah. But but yeah, he's absolutely incredible. Jim Steranko. Steranko. So Steranko. same thing. You know, he did some uh, some uh, covers. Uh, he did that famous uh, Polaris cover to issue fifty. Yep. But uh, but yeah, just did not a lot of X Men. And an interesting one here from uh, Jamie Bumpus, Werner Roth. Oh yeah, I think he was a um, I think he was one of the old Silver Age artists. Hmm. He was on X Men immediately succeeding Jack Kirby. Correct. So yeah, he was after uh, Kirby. He came on and did a pretty long period, if I remember right. Like, did, yeah. he, did he go up through, uh, I guess, till they got to like some of the new Adams issues? The Wikipedia is very short. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, he passed away very young in 1973 at the age of 52. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Because I think he came on X-Men, it says here, in 1966, initially using the pseudonym Jay Gavin, taken from the names of his two sons, to conceal his Marvel work from his editors at DC. Yeah. Um... Well, now he'll be forever immortalized on this episode of this podcast. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, Jamie also mentioned, he says he knows this is a bit of stretch, but George Perez did a single issue in 1979 issue, Really? Mm-hmm. And it was uh, phenomenal. Huh. I'm going to look yeah. that up. I'm a big Perez fan. Yeah, and anytime yeah. Perez gets a chance to draw team books, that's his, mm-hmm. his specialty. He's great with crowds. Yep, and then the only other one, Frazier Tattooing, Ben Frazier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. Um, he did Joe Mad. Oh, yeah, good pick. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Again, much like uh, Bacalo or Bacalo and Art Adams, uh, he mm-hmm. has that kind of cartooniness a little bit. A yep. little he does. Touch of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Big, he was big um, fan. way before his time too, because he's yes. one of the first American artists that really brought an anime, uh, like a anime style, to his mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. which you fact, see a lot more of that now. And then I think after comics, he he got into designing uh, video game characters, yeah. right? Doing bringing kind of that Dark Siders. Was one of his, yeah. yeah. Battle Chasers. Battle Chasers. Battle Chasers. Yeah. Battle Chasers, Chasers comes, great game. Love yeah. the game. Love and the comic. Battle Chasers comes back um, this summer. Yeah, I was excited to read that because yeah. the game actually kind of reminded me of that comic, and it really kind mm-hmm. of made me hunger for some more. So yeah, and Frazier uh, said, especially the Cannonball versus Gladiator issue. Oh. Uh, oh, plus, okay. he was the artist when Sabretooth Scar Psylocke. Oh, oh yeah, and he's also right. in that weird period where Wolverine loses his nose. <laughs> yeah, bone claw, bone yeah. claw. Um, man, so many good, and we knew iconic, uncanny yes. X Men and X Men oh. were going to have some because we didn't even mention Mark Silvestri. Silvestri, yeah, Silvestri. No. I'm not good with names. <laughs> no, it's, that's the thing, and because for years and years, X Men was Marvel's like A list book, so yeah. they put most of their top art, artistic talent on that book. And Mark was on it. Was he there for Mutant Massacre and as well he as was uh, Fall the, of the X Men? Oh wow! And uh, yeah. Fall of the Mutants. And, yeah. Um, I think the stuff with the Marauders, like the famous cover where Wolverine's crucified on the, on the X. Yeah. Um, First X Men comic I bought at a store at wow. Kroger. Oh yeah, I mean that one's so memorable. Did Jim Lee come after they went through the? He did. Because then the Jim Lee's issue start with so, like the new. So Lee, Lee followed Sylvester. Okay. Yeah. Sylvester's art really fit that darkness of that time too. It really matched. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Just, it's just it's so many great ones to pick okay. from. So we, we now, but now our problem is we have to just narrow it down to five, right? Yeah. This is gonna. This is gonna stink. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be difficult. I mean, obviously, I think we can say Lee's on the list. Jim Lee is on the list. I think we're gonna put Jim Lee. <laughs> yeah. Jim Lee is on the list. Where do we fall on Byrne and Cockrum? Well, so is the rule we can only pick one? No, we can do whatever we want. Okay. Yeah, we can stay up past yeah. midnight. <laughs> I like this anarchy. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think I'm definitely going to go lean toward John Byrne. I'm going to mm. say I'm, I'm going to go Byrne. So Byrne is on it. Jim Lee and Jim. So there's and John two. Byrne are on it for sure. Man, I think I am going to put Cockrum because yeah, yeah, okay. you almost have to. You almost have to. Just it's the character designs, and then you know the plus the issues he drew, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and those issues were so uh, so important to to X Men that. So I, I think I'm going to go Dave Cockrum, John Byrne, Jim Lee. Okay. Yep. Gosh. Now it gets oh, tricky. Yeah. You made a strong argument with Kubert. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm also now thinking Mark, just because, yeah, just thinking about. Yeah, that run. Yeah. yeah. Man, okay. I might I might lean towards Quietly just because he was think, so unique. Yeah. I think No quietly, one's like him. Quietly's a good fourth. I think Quietly's a good one. Okay. So then Kubert is the fifth? I'm okay with Kubert. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm okay with Kubert too. I think for me, it's between Kubert, Silvestri, say that name, Mark Silvestri, Silvestri. yes, <laughs> and Chris. Oh, Bachelot. Yep. 
Oh, man. Uh, I no, think it's one uh, of those. No wonder Roth. <laughs> no, um, he's our honorable mention okay. because there we go. it was fascinating learning about him. So I'm gonna say if, if those are our three choices, I am gonna go. Uh, I think I am gonna go Andy Kubert. Okay, Mike. I agree. Okay, all right. So Andy Kubert. So we have Jim Lee, John Byrne, Dave Cockrum, Frank Quietly, and Andy Kubert. Oh, gosh, I'm just thinking about Joe Mad too, though. <laughs> nope, uh, nope, nope. <laughs> uh, that's when we have to do five. Yep. I think X Men writer is gonna be a little easier. Um, but man, X Men artist. Yeah, so many good ones. But that kind of makes sense because yeah. it was Marvel's number one book for so long so, that you put the best artist on it. Of course. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and as an artist, that's your highest page rate. So you're mm. you're not gonna get paid mm. more for any book. Mm. Like I think at one point in the early '90s, before Jim Lee left to do Image, he was the highest paid artist, on, and it was for X Men, and he was getting paid seven hundred fifty dollars a page. Uh, my friend Fred, uh, not the Fred that we know, right. um, worked for a auction house that that did just like comic book stuff. Cool. And I got to meet him once in New York, and he took me upstairs, and I got to see some original art of John Byrne during the Dark Phoenix saga. Whoa. Yeah. Did you try and color it in? No. <laughs> You're no. like, hand me some markers and let me finish this. I got the whole Amazing Fantasy 15 in my hand. Oh, my gosh. And the security guard kind of knew that I was thinking of running. He could tell. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, looked, had, you, looked, the, you don't had, know Ancy. He had unclicked the holster and he was ready. <laughs> he's, um, he's, but, probably, he's probably yeah. had to stop a few people before. I think that's a really fair list. And I then we'll, we'll probably do uh, writers on the next episode. We'll, so we'll get everybody's nice. like opinion on that. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to probably backtrack and do the top five X-Men at one point, which is going to be... So it's going to be Cyclops, 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 and Wolverine. Yeah, it's going to be Cyclops and Kitty Pryde. Um, all right. So one thing we are trying to do in all the episodes leading up to Free Comic Day, which is May 6th. Saturday, May 6th. Yeah. Uh, 10 to 8. All day long. With a kind of known artist, right? Little little known guy named Ryan Otley. He did Woo. a small book called Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, and then some like weird indie title called Invincible. Yeah, nobody knows that. It's yeah. A um, TV show <laughs> on Amazon. Yeah, so one thing we're going to do, uh, we wanted to announce something cool and new here. Um, we're going to do another costume contest. Oh, I love the costume contest. Yeah, we've awesome. always like had, because uh, I was looking through, because we're going to mm. do a post about this early next week. Uh right. We've had some really tremendous costumes come in. Yes. I think we mentioned last week we had the we the had, penguin come in uh, for Batman's wedding. That's right. Well, pe- yeah. yeah, penguin and Riddler. Yeah. yeah. Your daughters have participated before. They love Harry Potter. Yeah. So we had some really cool outfits. So what we're going to do this year is um, first place is going to be a $100 gift card. Two comics exchange. We decided it's not going to be the Bojangles, even that chicken sandwich is amazing. <laughs> I love that. You know how I many chicken sandwiches I could buy for hundred dollars, Ryan? Dude, you could eat for a, like a month or two. A second place is going to be fifty dollars. Fifty dollar gift card, correct? And third place, a twenty five dollar gift card. Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, if you have some cool costumes, go ahead. Uh, when you get here on the six, come up to me, and I'll get your picture, and we'll put it up. Uh, we'll put it up on the page. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll uh, are we gonna, how are we gonna do voting? We're gonna so do we're judges. Gonna, I think we're gonna do two age groups, right? We're gonna do a, a kids group. So first to third for kids, and first to third for adults. Yes. Okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, only because in the past we'd had issues with with you know kids and uh, adults, and the kids are so cute that they yeah. they seem to get all the votes. Oh yeah. So we wanna we don't let the adults have a fair chance. I would not want to go against that Bat Baby from last year. Oh, how do you how do you beat Bat Baby? No, she was precious. So, uh, but yeah, so we'll have uh, age categories, and then, um, like you said, if uh, if hopefully if you come out and see us uh, Saturday May sixth, uh, Ryan will take your picture, and um, we'll get you entered into the contest. Of course, everybody's a, a winner. You'll you'll probably be tons of free stuff here. We'll be passing out all day. Huh, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a lot of contestants. I love seeing the costumes. That's my favorite part of the day. I absolutely yeah. have seen cosplay. It's not something I do, but much like friend of the show, Tyler Russell, uh, yes. you know, we both customize the figures and stuff. So to me, seeing people do that in real life with the costumes and stuff, it's so inspired. It's so great. I love it. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to have Tyler Russell back on in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Yep. Fantastic. Love Tyler Russell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like how you say his full name. <laughs> he, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like Josie Wales. It's like <laughs> Tyler, Tyler Russell. Russell. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be cool and we'll keep having some news. I think we're going to do... Two episodes in April, and mm-hmm. then uh, an episode the week of Free Comic Book Day up to. And also, try to be here near the first few hours mm-hmm. on Saturday, because we're going to get everybody in the store to do our new opening for the podcast. Really? Yeah. I hadn't heard about this. 
Yeah. Oh, we're gonna be, yeah. Is it going to be a... Let's okay. announce it. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, okay. Surprise, Bill. We're doing something that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just thinking we need a new opening for the podcast. But uh, no, uh, the idea was to get everybody in the room together. I'll hold up a microphone. Everybody says, you know, something like, welcome to Comics Exchange. And then the whole group, will, at the beginning of the episodes, we can have that to start. Yeah. I think that'd be cool to get everyone involved. Yep. And then at the end, maybe the sound of a lion growling. <laughs> Real kind of a... Dude, oh, just to add that, yeah. like like we have a... Like let's we get have, Olivia Joe to do some barking. Like there's a live lion in the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah, no, yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah, we want everybody to be involved. So if you're here, mm-hmm. it'll probably be the first couple hours when it's the busiest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, be here and you can be a part of it. Part Aww. of history. Yeah, like one big family. I love yeah. it. That's right. yeah. Now, one thing we were supposed to do in the last episode, but I'm bad. We had a giveaway. And just be honest, we, f- <laughs> we forgot. <laughs> we're old, remember? We, we forgot to make the numbers. Yeah. So we did the drawing earlier before we started recording. Yes. So that way we would remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and the winner of the Smallville Seasons 1 through 6. DVD sets. Yep. Thank you again, our generous donor, for that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Bobby Chamberlain. Oh, congratulations, Bobby. Bobby. Yes. And, and this is actually kind of funny because this person was the only one that posted that they would love to get the second place prize. And they won second place. Uh, and he, I think he's been up on this episode already tonight. Daryl Pierce. Oh, Daryl. Oh, yeah. Our friend from, uh, yeah, from Virginia. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> he was great when he was in here last year for Free Comic Book Day because we all did, we all tried to figure out how much money he was going to spend, his, he was gonna spend that day. Yeah. But yeah, Daryl, when you're in uh, for Free Comic Book Day this year, We'll have the Tom Taylor and also the same creative team that did, that does uh, Nightwing. Awesome. Yep. Their run on Suicide Squad. Oh, it's a good run. Yeah. Yeah. It's hardcover. Yeah. And he wanted to win it. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Can... Dreams come true. Only on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere else. Nowhere else. <laughs> yeah. All right. Even though we've been a little indulgent this episode, one might say, let's, let's go ahead and bring in our books of the week. So, I guess I'm going to start, and um, I'm going to start with a book from uh, James Tinian and uh, Michael Oming. You may know James Tinian from Something's Killing the Children. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may know Michael Avon Oming from Powers, from Michael, Michael Bendis' book. Nice. But they have a, uh, a new book out from Dark Horse called Blue Book. Oh. And it's a um, <clears throat> it's a, kind of a, uh, a comic book telling of uh, real life ufo encounters um oh, so, sign might, me up. so this might be all right up your alley mike yeah but they start off the first issue and each issue i think has like two or three different short stories yep but um but they start off the the first issue with a, a pretty famous uh, ufo encounter but if you're into um, science fiction uh, especially now with all the talk of um aliens and spacecraft and which this thing gets me about spacecraft so <laughs> i don't get why every spacecraft has to look like like a silver rocket, like a silver bullet, you know? Yeah. Right, right. Why does everything have to be, why can't there just be like, I don't know. Like so of our, of our episode t- here. Why, why can't it be a tiny, why, why does the, the other universe have to be like full of giant people? Why can't yeah, it yeah, be yeah. tiny people, like a, a little spaceship that's this big? Here's the thing, in case yeah. like this, uh, the audio here is getting out into the universe <laughs> and some aliens hear this, you know, step up your game. Right, right. Step up your game. Make those ships cool. Come on now. Um, my pick for uh, that comes out this coming Wednesday, the 29th, uh, The Ambassadors, uh, Mark Millar's new book, with Frank Quietly oh. drawing the art for the first issue. It looks like each issue is going to be a different artist. Travis Churest? Shuray. 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 Oliver yeah. Coppel. I, I think so. Quit yeah. <laughs> Quit uh, ton- are are going to be doing issues of this. Yes. It looks like each issue is going to focus on a new character. Uh, but the ambassadors uh, starts on the 29th. Wow, it's a great lineup of artists. Yeah, very nice. I am too lazy to look ahead to next week since we're recording this week, and I'm going to go ahead and rock with something out this week. Uh, you've heard me go on about it before a couple weeks ago. The new Superman series, mm. Superman number two. I uh, can't wait to read it. I know Ryan over here has already read it. Uh, it. It is from the week we're recording. It is not the newest week of issues, but I'm sure most will still have it on the stands. Oh, yeah. And uh, just just please, for your own good, check it out. It, it's just inspired and it's great. It, it's, in my opinion, what I want to see from a Superman comic um, on all levels. So love it. Can't wait for it. Yep. And uh, one one quick pick here. Uh, this is uh, just started a Kickstarter. My friend, uh, an artist from Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, he's doing a book. You can look at it, Kickstarter. It's called The Crystal Compass. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got some really nice art. And because I was nervous that I would spit, pronounce his name wrong, <laughs> I had him record his name for me. So I am going to play this now. 
Hey, Ryan, you pronounce my name like this. Hamza. Yep. Hamza. Hamza. Uh, yeah, he's a great dude. What a great uh, name. Yep, the art is awesome, but mm. if you go right now, I think the Kickstarter goes to the end of April. If you like to support, you know, indie artists and any talent, uh, the Crystal Compass. Uh, when Nico discovers a powerful artifact, he is transported to another world and caught up in a war. Yeah, Kickstarter, there's some. There's going to be some cool re- rewards going on in this. It, it looks really cool. The art looks great, so check it out. And what was the book called again? Uh, the book is called The Crystal Compass. The Crystal Compass. Yep, and now... And now uh, recommendations. No. Yeah, let's go uh, ahead and uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. We don't want to want to be causing any people to be missing any sleep or work or. Hang well, on hopefully, or, uh, you know, we do have a fan that listens as he goes to bed. We do. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, our uh, our sweet tones tonight are helping him get to dreamland. Absolutely. Yeah. What What do you got for us, Bill? Any recommendations? Oh. I thought we were just doing books of the week. Oh, I'll, I'll just oh. do. I have, I have a recommendation. Fair. And this is because for you, Mike. For moi. Yeah. My recommendation is an Apple TV show. It's a it's a docu-series, so it, it's called Monster Factory. It's Ooh. about a wrestling ah. uh, school. Basically, this guy has been able to put over a decent amount of wrestlers. I think in the last uh, 10 years, he's had like 12 of his students go to like the big companies, WWE, ACW, and all that. <laughs> the main uh, storyline right now in the first few episodes is there's a girl that started wrestling at 14, She's 19 now. She comes from a very rich family, and this isn't something that they thought she would be doing, uh, is going to have a tryout with the WWE. Hmm. So the first few episodes are her going to that tryout. But it's a fun show. It looks like all episodes dropped at once. Hmm. Uh, but if you're into wrestling and you like like docu-series, uh, right. Monster Factory. Monster Factory. I will check that out. Yep. I figured you would. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to slip in a recommendation, too, yeah. while we're doing I think we still have a little time. Peer pressure. On that note. <laughs> Golly, that guy come over <laughs> I'm doing the new uh, WWE game. I'm going to I'm gonna piggyback off of that. Oh. WWE 2K23. It's spectacular. It's awesome. They know that they took a year off in 2020. Came back with a great game last year, but the roster was really weird and wonky. It is mm-hmm. now in Ryan's possession. And the new one has got the roster I was looking for. High in production. The gameplay is excellent. It's, you know, you can access it easily just picking up a controller. Or if you know a little bit about wrestling, you can go a little further and just put on spectacular matches. Uh, it's a great game. It's got a good build a character. It's got a great story mode with John Cena. We love him or hate him. Um, just all around great what you're looking for in a wrestling game. They just nailed this one. You got a career mode? It does have a career mode. You yes. build your own character and you work your way up through the ranks to get to the main shows. Uh, nice. that's, that's very fun. So by all means, check that out if you're curious. Yeah. Cool. Bill, are you falling for this peer pressure? Do you have a recommendation? Nah, I'll probably skip mine this week. Okay. All yeah. right. Stay mysterious. Uh, recommend, recommend Comics Exchange. That's what. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come up with two recommendations next week. Okay, there you go. all there right, you go. good. All We're right. going to hold you to it. Well, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, I think it's about okay. that time. It's been a great episode. We hope everyone's enjoyed our X-Men artists. Look forward later to our X-Men writers. I'm Mike D. I'm Ryan. And I'm Bill. See you in the funny books. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Welcome. This is Stan Lee of Marvel Comics warning you to look around you. Your classmates, your friends, you never know which one of them may be a mutant. A person born with strange and wondrous powers. Now, some mutants, like the X-Men, use their special gifts for good. But then there are the terrorist mutants who plan to destroy the human race. X-Men, this is the day, this is the day.